Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I wanted you to introduce it. <laughs> Father John, Father Mike, feeling a bit defeated right now. You were, you were always making fun of my intros. They are funny. Oh, gosh. We just we, should, we mess everything up. We mess everything <laughs> up. We're in our eighth season, and uh, uh, we still don't know how to use technology. We just recorded an, uh, an awesome podcast for the last 50 minutes. Into your laptop. Into my laptop, but it we didn't... We have these microphones. It didn't go don't through Don't you the feel like a fool? You were holding that handheld microphone the whole time. I know. I'm like a talk show host here. Um <laughs> I would say more like a contestant on one of those variety shows. I feel America's like, Got Talent. I feel like the, Italy's uh, Got Talent. Italy's Got Talent. I was thinking more of like the um, who's the really obnoxious show host for um, the Hunger Games? Did you ever see the Hunger Games? Pita. Yeah, How do you feel? Peter, yeah, yeah. And I shift the microphone. I can only here. remember the Katniss, hair. Katniss, tell us all about you and Peter. Are you really pregnant? What's the name? I don't remember. I forget his name too. So, yep. So here we are. Um, yeah, nothing like pouring another bourbon here at 10 o'clock at night in Rome and uh, feeling like, what are we? It's well, kind of I mean, no, we'd be in a, <laughs> I think we are in a fine mood. It's the Feast of St. Luke. It's the Feast of St. Luke, uh, which you would have learned all about, but uh, you'll have to just wait. Yeah, we are really bad with this technology man, stuff. Oh man, I know. Somehow everything changes. We have, I think there's a little rascal, um, some sort of. A little rascal. Elf or gnome who comes in here and changes our soundboard, yeah. <laughs> messes with the settings. He comes while in while we're night. not looking. That's right, and just just messes all the. You know, you up. you sleepwalk. Maybe you're the gnome. Maybe I'm the gnome. Yep, I'm just like. Do you do it? I'm gonna you find sabotage. Wake up to only mics. Only mics podcast. Slightly adjusting little. If I do, I will manifest knobs. it to you. Will, yeah, that would be that would take it to the next level. My. Uh, yeah, I've had some crazy uh, sleepwalking over the years, but I've, I've uh, yet to. You're also adjust. Well, I can't say Minnesota. Who, who's Minnesotan? I'm Minnesotan. Minnesotan, yeah. But you're passive aggressive. Maybe well, that was a way of saying, oh uh, well. Uh, my mom's on, from Minnesota. On your I, I got episode, it in me. Yeah. We're gonna mess up the. Yeah, that would be it. We'd have to. You just have to go back through those who have listened to all the podcasts. Just go back, and every time we tell this sad story, just kind of jot down whose was it who just got nixed again. Yeah. And if it's all Father Mike's, then we know who the culprit is. We know who the gnome is. Did you say gnome? Is that right? Gnome. No. What, what are you saying, gnome? <laughs> I don't speak any languages anymore. There's an L in there that oh, just doesn't belong. This is more firepower for all of the people who make fun of me for never pronouncing words like capacity and uh, yeah, everything. I that. saw a really weird video <laughs> this summer <laughs> that was talking about this movement Ugh. in Germany to free the gnomes. Free the gnomes. Where the people, I don't know, young people were going to like steal gnomes from people's gardens and then replay replant them in the forest uh, in their natural habitat right. where they belong. I can see I thought people older really elderly Germans not thinking that's funny at all. No. No. Yeah. And the young people they must be really yeah. bored. Yeah. How about some jobs or something? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No. I know they're working up there. Yeah, they're working. But I Joe I think Hate, I need Joe a Hate pop guard. Joe Hate told this me that yeah, acting funny. Hey, as long as it's recording. Joe Haight told me that every German is required to take five weeks of vacation time. So if you're in Germany listening to this, and that's not true, but I was told every German citizen, five weeks of vacation. Five weeks. That's why they're walking around Rome all the time. We talked about, I took a French class one time, and uh, we talked about French labor laws. And it was like they're all constantly trying to get less hours required for full-time work. So... It was like, at this point, the, you know, full-time work was like 26 hours <laughs> of work a week, yeah. and things are falling apart. The economy's, everybody's, you know, having a, having a hard time getting jobs and everything, and there's kind of an explanation there. Yeah. You know, when yeah. the majority of your time should be spent watching TV and, I don't know, YouTube, Stealing gnomes. YouTube about gnomes and stuff. Gnomes, looking up dictionary.com. How do you spell this word? How many L's are actually in the word gnome? <laughs> Gnome. Gnomes. Oh, God. Allora. Yeah, the, the Italians are funny, you know, because you think nobody's actually working in this town, but then they're up 
really early. They start really early here. Oh, man. But then they they shut her down. We went to St. Peter's the other day. There yeah. was like a whole club of old guys. Yeah, yeah. Who were just hanging out, yeah. talking. It was like six in the morning. Yeah. You know what else? That's is on the street. Yeah. You know what else is interesting about Italy is everybody's, you know, the faith is dead in Europe and these things. And I think that's... I think that, that the faith is in decline in Europe for sure. But when I I was I biked out to Castelgandolfo on Sunday, which you and I do, you weren't feeling well. That's why I went solo. Sorry. Actually, it was really funny. I told Evan Coop, I said, uh, I'm going to Castelgandolfo. And he goes, good for you. <laughs> and I was like, well, just in case I get hit by a truck or something, um, just know where I'm at. And he goes, oh, my, that was kind of morbid. It was like breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and he goes, well, what, what would that, how would that do me any good to know that you were supposed to be in Castelgandolfo and you get hit by a yeah, truck? I was make like, it the- well, I'm just, you know, just, I don't know. <laughs> thought I should tell somebody. My mom would want to know. Yeah, it gives you some peace of mind. Yeah, but he was He's he cold. was very upset about uh, just <laughs> knowing that piece of information. Well, good for you. Uh, but I got out there, and I'm sitting in the piazza in the middle of Castel Gandolfo, which those of you who have been there, it's a beautiful spot, one of my favorite spots in Italy, I would say, having a cappuccino at the spot where we always sit and on our ride. And all of a sudden, the piazza just comes pouring out, people coming out of there like, crazy out of the church everybody was in mass like oh, the whole yeah. town was in mass and it was all italians and it just like completely came to life as soon as as soon as mass ended and again this is small town italy but i don't oh, know. i think no i think rural, rural italy is very religious yeah and you get a false impression because there's so many churches right that they're all half full right but that means everybody's there yeah it just means there's a lot of churches, and it spreads out to people. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of faith. When, yeah. I, when I was up in Milan for Holy Week, I was very impressed. All the masses were packed. People were coming out of the woodwork for sacraments, confessions. I was inspired. I loved it. Yeah, secularism certainly has taken hold in, in Western civilization, but it might not be as dramatic as it's presented at times you know, by the media or by the intelligentsia there's still a lot of simple people and frankly it's the peasant class that kept the faith for centuries in europe anyways. yeah everywhere and especially down in the rural you know southern italy is still pretty rural and i think i think there's a lot of that so anyways it was a nice trip to Gandolfo. it's nice to be back in rome yeah we're uh we're both i think surprisingly happy to be back it's funny we just did this whole banter talked about all kinds of things actually we quoted a lot of foreign languages so you were spared that kind of oh. making jokes about different things and uh, it's tragic what was the funny french phrase though you said that was funny uh done le shoe just we done the shoe that sums up how i'm feeling what does right it mean? now as a doctoral student because it means you obviously don't remember i'm lost in the cabbage patch <laughs> yeah i'm lost in the cabbage <laughs> yeah exactly just we don't shoe. it that just sounds I'm, so I'm elegant confused. i have no idea oh uh, yeah yeah, so I, I have begun the doctorate in uh, do, uh, dogmatic theology, and uh, Father Mike is well in. He is writing his Forungsgeschichte, first chapter, an extremely... Forschungsgeschichte. Forschungsgeschichte. Entschuldigung. Um, the, uh, which means what? The, it's the history. It's a fancy word for the history of a really boring topic. Yeah. So, yeah. History of research. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, even you said, I got to do this. It's part of the In project. the 1900s, <laughs> Loisy said that Acts 3 explains how Luke is not the historian that he promotes himself as in the 1920s. <laughs> it's going to be like that for yeah. every decade through the 20th century. Yeah, you got to do it, though. Boring, boring. Yeah, yeah. I had a little fight with my director because I was like, no, I'm a rebel, and I'm choosing to do this differently. I know this is how it's supposed to be done for every doctorate. Uh-huh. I'm going to do it topically. And he said, and he said, no, I think you should do the Forschungsgeschichte. Forschungsgeschichte. And yeah. I'm doing the Forschungsgeschichte. Yeah, yeah, that's how, that's what your director, he just very, very actively directed you in that way. Yeah. yeah. It's for the best. Yeah, it's funny, though, our life here, um, you know, um, we're at the Casa Santa Maria in Rome, and uh, things are going well. We got our good little community of uh, of guys, Father Daniel Eusterman with us, Father Evan Koop from Minnesota, Father Mark Horn, South Dakota, and uh, and then a lot of other really good uh, American priests here. So, yeah, we're happy to be back. Things are going well. I mean, I'm like a plane that hasn't hasn't really taken off. It's just kind of like shaky on the runway, kind of that. That's kind of the moment I'm at. 
you're kind of soaring. I'm watching Mike's plane is just flying and kind of doing loops and gliding. Exactly. Gliding. Yeah, he's kind of wandering with his hand right now. It, it is. It's like a glider. I don't know if it's ever going to land. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's yeah. catching current. I think I described it in our last banter that was not recorded as like what was that movie Sandra in space? You said it. Gravity. Gravity. Yeah, it's like we got out of the at- we got out of the atmosphere and then all of a sudden the the whole thing started falling apart. I'm like, ah! my director is really is not fe- is sick, and so please pray for uh, Father Miguel de Salis. Uh, because it's very sad. I mean, it's just, he's like seriously, seriously uh, yeah. sick. So um, he needs your prayers. And um, yeah, just, but our life, uh, like the only thing that tethers us really to reality is the director. So, you know, when he goes down, we go down. Yeah. Now you're just lost. If we go down. We're lost in space. We, what is it? If we go down, then we go down together. We go down together. Yeah. There you go. Profound. From what's that band called? Chainsmokers. You remember that? <laughs> <laughs> forever. Clever. Um, yeah, something like that. How did they? Oh man, those guys are geniuses. Chainsmokers. Yeah, they just like great beats and great sounds, and then very simple lyric lines. I think that they are that like I don't the know sound th- of the millennial. I don't know if Would they you mean that? anything. That's what I mean. It's just like that's just like the millennial thing. I I have heard a lot of them this yeah. summer. They were on the radio, man, mm. and they're collaborating with all the best. Are they? Coldplay. What'd you think of that Elephant Revival I played for you tonight? That was my kind of band of the of the day. Yeah, I like the sound. You like the today? Sound? I was listening to Syriac chant. Ah, uh, see, you're so and much so much more pious than I am. I'm listening very to different hippie bluegrass from Netherland, Colorado. Well, at least you can understand what they're saying. I couldn't uh, understand. Kinda. But they have like that kind of sitar sound. I love it. Ah, yeah. Not Elephant Revival. Elephant Revival's cool. Yeah, they're cool, but no sitar though. They could experiment with the sitar. I That'd keep be cool. tapping on this mic. Though. That'd be I cool. Quit l- doing that. At least it's recording. Is it recording? Yes, we're still recording. We hope. Oh, Mike. There's nothing more defeating than uh, an, a deleted podcast. But like, you know what? C'est la vie. No, it's just okay, come on. As I learned from just forty s- minutes of our life and <laughs> just gone. All of yeah. the research I've done this week and all of the another French phrase energy I, and I think I quoted excitement I put into that because it's the only French I learned this summer was c'est la vie c'est la c'est vie. la guerre c'est la pomme du terre oh such is life such is war such is a potato yeah Brian Kent taught me that no Maria Masterson also taught me is that a real phrase <laughs> no I think it's Ryan that's a really silly thing to say <laughs> but it sounds beautiful. C'est la vie, c'est la terre, c'est la pomme du terre. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, well, have you watched any movies in the last week? I thought you might. Oh, we're doing it. Oh yeah, we're doing it, baby. And we're das cutting the we're cutting the banter early, and we're rolling into the topic. Das Wunderfrau. The Wunderfrau. And Goebel, you can suck it because that Die was under under ten minutes, and that was a smooth transition, baby. You didn't even know it was happening. And then I totally abrupted it because I well, named I just the said fact ge- that it was I just said German. We t- we Die watched Wunderfrau. Dun, dun, dun. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. That is what we are going to be talking about tonight. So that's fine because I like that. Drink show. up, champ, because we just did a great podcast that was well researched, super interesting. I was very engaged. I was learning a lot, and then it got deleted. And now. We're going to do one that I really haven't thought or researched anything on. We're just going to kind of riff on Whatever. it. Whatever. We just saw Wonder Woman. We did. and uh, But tonight's going to be a little more polemical than usual because Uh-oh. it was um, this topic was brought about by the feminine genius of Molly Rogan and Sinead Seleski. Okay. So on Saturday, I got a text so message. So it's not just talk about Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Wonder Women, uh, all of the Wunderfrauen. Um, I know a lot of Wonder Women. Which she, yeah okay, um, so on Saturday. But I, got, I don't mind talking about I got that. A text from Molly saying, um, "I have a movie you need to watch for your dissertation because I'm working in the mariological dimension of the church, so the femininity of the church, women, these things. Um, so you got to watch this movie for your this is dissertation research." And I was like, oh, "Well, I'm very intrigued because very few people ever text me <laughs> saying, <laughs> yeah, exactly, saying that what is there's, the movie? There's a movie. She says Wonder Woman." <laughs> And I was like, Wonder Woman. And she's like, Wonder Woman. So I rallied my old buddy, Father Mike. Uh, we you're going to get me in trouble with them. Is that what you're saying with yes. the polemics? Yes. So we, we looked it up. Um, 
we don't know anything about pop culture, and we rarely watch movies. Um, I uh, like I like these comic book movies. Yeah, I saw the Avengers. You saw the Avengers. It was okay. good. So this one came out this year. For those of you who are like us, living in a cave, um, and it got a ninety-two percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh yeah, that's good. That's very high. And and uh, I trust Rotten Tomatoes. I rather like that. Right, right. I like their format with like the paid critics and then amateur critics. Mm-hmm. So now it's time to get you and in like trouble. The voting. It's time to get you in trouble. You ready? So then I said, I told the girls, I said, okay, we're gonna we're actually gonna watch this, and then we're gonna podcast on this. And then I may or may not quote it in my dissertation. Probably not, but it's good for, you know, stimulating thought and conversation. They said, quote, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. This is quiz show. Suck it. This This is is quiz show to you. (laughs) Oh, no. This movie, so we're going to talk about the movie. Who's they? Molly and Sunit. Okay, we're not on Rotten Tomatoes anymore. No, we're not on Rotten Tomatoes. Molly and Sunit. They wrote a a joint email. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With... Okay, first thing, on. first principle of the feminine genius. They're very relational, so much so that they speak in you know yeah. one voice in an email. Yeah, one, one <laughs> writes half the sentence, and then the other one finishes it. Maybe like every letter, they just kind of giggling on their you know in their bed, I could see bed together. Yeah, well they're they're living together. So Molly just moved in with Megan and Sunit. These are our friends in Denver, and they're House all of Wonder Women, House, <laughs> House of Frauen. Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble. You are getting in trouble. So it here's what they said. The this is how the email ended. And this is very intriguing, and we're going to take this on, uh, and we're going to, this is our starting point. The movie Wonder Woman. Wait, don't include me. No, I'm, I'm not finishing you. your sentences I'm yet. asking you. Okay, yeah, go on. We're going to write an email back together. No. This movie was a refreshing dose of authentic femininity to the modern woman. What do you think? Oh, come on. Oh, there's, I mean... You can't just throw it out like that. I know. That. That's I'm like doing kind of a quiz show, I'm, man. Yeah, that's a quiz show. Well, I thought, okay, let's see. I, I did think that... We don't uh, want to ruin the... We don't want to spoil alert it either for people who haven't seen it. So just uh, keep there was that a, in mind. There was enough to the plot. I, you can oh, see the trailer some, and basically... There's great twists, though. Sure. Okay. So I plot-wise, I didn't think... I mean, it was like any other... Superhero movie. Okay, it's the inverted superhero movie, right? The make like inverting the gender roles, right? Right. So you have uh, both hero and villain who are feminine. Um, well, I guess there were some some dudes too who were mm-hmm. both heroes and villains in the in the show too, but the main characters are are women, and um, yeah, that kind of classic hero role is played by by a woman. Um, she's awesome. She's strong. She's trained as a fighter on an island of fighters, which, okay, I, we're going to talk about, you know, fight violence and fighting. Um, there was this weird thing about how she's not going to be um, an aggressor. She's not going to wield the sword. She's going to just use the shield. She's going to... She's kind of, like, hesitating to be violent for a while, I thought. Uh-huh. Um, and just being a hero for those who are suffering, like a compassionate hero, she seems to have more um, interest in showing compassion for the poor and suffering than your classic he- um, right. comic book right. male hero. And I thought that was a something about a comment on the feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, in large part, it was about the inversion. Women are as strong and as powerful and as ass-kicking as dudes. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm not entirely opposed to that portrayal of women. I think courage is, is a virtue that's important for all human beings, and um, it has its place. There's something strange about comic books being related to regular human life anyway, Mm -hmm. in general. Um, But, yeah, as this sort of um, big hero figures. Now, it had an element of mythology, and in this old classic mythology... Now, hold on, we're going to go into the mythology here in a second, so... You have warrior women. Right. And so I thought that at least is something to recognize. Right. 
But I don't know. I mean, that's just some thoughts. Good. I don't know good. exactly I, I where you're going. I put him in the hot seat right away. I deleted his podcast on purpose, and uh, and now I put him in the hot seat. This is not a not a good friend. Um, I did. I should throw out this comment too. Oh, here we go. I don't know why. Maybe this was a, a man watching this movie with an actress who's gorgeous. Gal Gadot is like the most beautiful woman. Oh, she's incredibly it's beautiful. Ridiculous. And I thought that they kept framing everything after she uh, wins a battle or something she does this sort of um, pose that should be on the cover of Vogue yeah and is just like a kind of a silhouetted shot or a portrait shot of her standing there looking beautiful and I thought that was that was weird that yeah. was a new element to the comic book genre yeah I, uh, I, I wouldn't say I minded it it was okay no I mean it's effective yeah. certainly no that's good I Putting you in the hot seat because I think what the girls are saying and what they were experiencing about something about the feminine in this movie is uh, is good. So we'll take what Aquinas says whenever he gets answered, er, whenever he gets asked a difficult question in the Summa. He always says, "Respondio quod dicens seek et non." I respond saying yes and no. So how does that sound? We'll start there. Okay. We'll go into what uh, was our statement again? This is the quintessential feminine. No, it was... This is prophetic for our day. Together, Mike, we're going to craft a, a sentence. I'm just joking. This movie was a refreshing dose, capital dose, of authentic femininity to the modern woman. Okay, authentic femininity. Authentic femininity. So modern that's kind of like what we're starting with. But let's go back to the uh, mythology for a second and just kind of break this down before we go into it. First off, you mentioned already the plot basically... Um, the beginning of the movie. This is a great movie, by the way. Definitely worth watching. Oh yeah, I thought it was super fantastic. entertaining. Oh yeah, it was great. Fun. It, it's Fun. and it's new too. Yeah, it was. I liked it that was, it was new. We it really, really, played really enjoyed on it. So. Old themes in new ways. Yeah, but it's the story of the Amazon women who are a creation of Zeus in this desperate attempt to create kind of a perfect world, a small part of the world where um, only women are created, but they're kind of warrior women. Uh, and they're eventually going to take on Ares, which is the god of war. And in particular, Diana is this one child who grows up with the Amazon women uh, who will then be capable of defeating Ares and eradicating the world of war, which is the purpose of the Amazon women. So that's what the comic book story and then the movie portray. But let's go into this. Cause and then by fate, they're wrapped up into the world of human beings right. or men. Exactly. And the wars. Um, even though they have to like leave this paradise, mm-hmm. where ironically their mission is to fight wars that they haven't fought for thousands of years. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It is. It's it's an interesting. It was an interesting um, kind of modern uh, appropriation of Greek mythology, I think. But going back to the original pantheon, do you know who the twelve major deities are? Can you name any of those? Quiz oh, show man. action here. Which one? Dodecathlon, right? Are we doing Greek? Yep. Go Greek. Okay, Zeus. Yep. Um, Hera. Yep. Think um, of the sea. Aphrodite. Yep. Yeah. This is tough. What's his name? So Athena. Yeah, Athena is the goddess of war. She's the one that we're talking about. I right. Think. Which which is interesting that you they have didn't Ar- talk about that. Ares, who is also kind of a, a god of violence. Right. Um, Apollo. Yeah, Apollo. Um, who's our guy? Who's the Poseidon? guy with the... Poseidon, yeah, with the C. Uh, I think of Andy. Uh, what's his name from Saturday Night Live? Um, I'm on a boat. No, probably why, not. Why are you saying there's 12? Demet- These are all that... Deme- the- Demeter? Yeah. Aphrodite, uh, Hephaestus, 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 Hephaestus yeah. Hermes, and then either Hestia or Dionysius are the, are the 12. So anyways, the point of this is that Artemis and Ares are two of the 12 major de- deities of the pantheon. Artemis is translated into the Roman world as Diana. Yeah. And I think it's significant that they take the name Diana. And she's uh, a warrior goddess, she too, is. Right? Goddess of the hunt, of the moon, nature. Um, oh, yeah, the hunt. One of the three virgin goddesses. So she Diana, was interesting Bible fact. Yeah, here we go. She was the great uh, goddess... Uh, worshipped and celebrated as the great hero of um, Ephesus. So at Ephesus, they had a comet, like a rock, that had come down from the sky that was sent by her, and they kind of built their shrine, mm. their great temple. Around to Diana. 
Yeah, it was Artemis, uh, the shrine of Artemis. Okay, this is this is good. This is going to come together real nice. So hold hold on to that thought. Yeah, that right? was at Ephesus. Tie, we're going to tie Check that out in. Acts gonna, 19. Excellent. Well done. We're going to tie that in in one second here. Um, so that's Diana. That's the main character who they make kind of this... They In the movie, they make her as an Amazon woman, but she really is... A, um, a goddess through and through of the of the pantheon and the whole bit. So that's Diana. Um, and then we have these Amazon women, right? And I had heard the name Amazon women from Homer. It's in the Iliad because they fight in the Trojan War, according to Homer. So there's this kind of mythical race of these warrior women who come and for whatever reason, they're kind of an Asia minor Um which is interesting because I read today that the tradition in the ancient world was that the Amazons founded the city of Ephesus. Ah, yeah. Where Diana was worshipped, like you're saying. And Ephesus, of course, is going to have a very specific feminine context for the Christian here in a second. Here, we'll get to that. Um, but these Amazon women um, are, yeah, so they're in the, in the Trojan War. They're founding cities. They're doing all these different things. Um, but the name Amazon, do you know the uh, the name? We have to be careful here because there's children. But A would mean what in Greek? Negation. Oh, yeah. And Maison, Maston. Think of mastectomy. Mas- um, what do you call it? The surgery, what? the it's removal. Male. Of the woman's, yeah. Of the woman. Male organs? No, not that one. Oh, uh, no, no, female organs. Female, yeah, yeah. So they would literally remove the right breast. That was the, the symbol of the Amazon woman. And oh, I think really? that's going to be significant. That's interesting, yeah. In terms of the understanding of the, like, that's what the word Amazon means. Um, and uh, Did you, Do you think that went into the um, name choice for this rich guy, Bezos? Bezos? No. Oh, who, yeah. Who's the guy who owns? Uh, Amazon guy? Amazon.com? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Okay, so we've so, got these warrior women. Warrior women, um, and uh, such and such, they, uh, they become kind of this kind of strange phenomenon in the ancient world because, you know, um, you don't really have a lot of this. I was thinking about, you know, maybe like that and the Isle of Lesbos, oh, like a woman-ruled island are the two kind of heavily kind of matriarchal things that I, I think of in the, in the ancient Greek world. You would know this better than I would, but you don't have a you don't have much of who's this. that um, who's that heroine in Iliad, um, Aeneid, Aeneas's <sighs> girlfriend over in not Penelope his wife. No, this is that's oh that's Odysseus. Homer. Sorry, keep talking. I gotta get some more whiskey. Um, no, okay, I don't know. There's, I I mean I th- I think there was a good mix of, um masculine and feminine characters who were part of this group of heroes trying to explain ultimately, okay, these were like stories, they're entertaining, they work into theater, they work into literature, but in some profound way, they're trying to explain what's essentially the reality about men and women. Right. And what's the best of them? What's the worst of them? You know, where can you describe their genius as we kind of talk about it today. You know? But it seems to me that in the ancient world, you don't have a healthy integration of the masculine and the feminine. Part of that's because of the Platonic and the Aristotelian anthropologies that underroot at least later Greek thought, which is to say the Platonic thing is that the body basically doesn't matter. Um, and so sexual complementarity becomes kind of this thing that falls away. And then the Aristotelian thing is really that the woman is this weaker, yeah. kind of and dilapidated I would say, man. I would say probably in both, in both settings. And in the ancient world, yeah. uh, or at least in the, in the Greek world, uh, woman was considered kind of uh, sort of depraved men. Yeah. You know? yeah. They just didn't reach that status of human evolution right. or whatever, however we would describe it nowadays. Even if you had these these cultures, those are exceptional things, you know, the Amazons and the Isle of Lesbos. In that in that world of storytelling and understanding human beings, be, they were exceptional because women don't act like that, right? 
not in the real world. Right. For them. Right. So these things are going to look cool. They're going to sound cool. They're going to be good right. plot makers for stories. Right. Right. I guess basically to summarize this is to say that um, the concept of warrior women in the ancient world is a great idea for mythology, but it wasn't actually. Yeah. Well, just don't romanticize those cultures and say once upon a time we were less patriarchal or somehow. Right. You know. So now we're living in the world of CrossFit gyms where I think of like Amazon women just like doing a thousand muscle ups, you know, and uh, just like being awesome. And so much so that um, in the last 30 years, a kind of feminism has been named Amazonian feminism actually, named after that, which is rooted in the strengths of the woman. And so basically the trajectory of, of feminist philosophy takes two different routes, and I don't want to bore people with this, but the route of liberal feminism and then the route of uh, what we call radical feminism or Marxist or now this Amazonian, which I had never heard before today, feminism. So basically, uh, what do you do with the distinctions between men and women? Liberal feminism says, and this is like from John Stuart Mill on, basically says just wipe away the difference total equality no dif- no there's no distinction whatsoever um and um and then radical feminism would be it's all distinction and no equality so it's just women need to take the power from men so a lot of times when we think of in a negative way we think of feminism we think of the radical form which is this kind of amazonian which is women need to assert themselves as stronger than men and take the power that they've been stripped of for the last Three millennium or something like that. Yeah, that power. power. Defining it by power. Defining it by power. Will to power. So the Marxist critique becomes I don't, a way Okay, so it. I think part of the, I don't know, one of the important words here is strength. Right. And I think women are exceptionally strong and have strengths that men don't have, or at least, I don't know, potentially do. Uh, but if you define that in a certain way like violence in war and the desire to conquer, um, it might not be like an authentic expression of femininity. Right. But strength, uh, there's all kinds of other kinds of strength, but will to power isn't necessarily the the only definition of, of strength or the only expression of strength. Right. And going back to our email here from our the feminine genius, um, they said strength and femininity was one of the things they loved about this movie. Her compassion, tenderness, and ability to see the other and anticipate their needs calls those around to be better and invites the band of brothers traveling with her to be men. So I think... And what, she doesn't... Okay, let me say this yeah, about the strength. Here we go. Okay. Okay. Part of the strength is she doesn't back down in that conviction. Right. Right? Right. She doesn't let them tell her you can't represent this, those things. But those things are not violence. They're right. not describing violence in the email. Right. No, right? no, no. It's not that. It's, and yet the movie does. Right. I think the movie makes her like the classical masculine hero. Right. But there was a sense all along, because um, we watched half of it and then went to bed and then watched the second half the next day because we're old people. Um, but there was a sense like, there's no way this movie is just going to go where she goes into the World War II and just destroys all the bad guys and then wins. There's got to be something to it, right? Yeah. And so I think that what these girls, I don't want to speak on their behalf, but I think what they're writing about is to say that they were struck by the the feminine way that she kind of humanized things as she was coming. There's that scene in the trenches where she sees the, the woman and child, the way that she even draws the men out of themselves, which I think is a uniquely feminine strength, is that they actually draw they draw things out of us in a way that we don't even understand. She's t- they were talking about the Scotsman who was playing the piano that one night. Um, so there's, there is a sense of uh, strength that's kind of playing out beneath this kind of cosmic battle for between yeah. good and evil that she's kind of rocking it and doing oh, awesome Oh, and those things, little but, details. But those things were... That's what, what redefines struck. this genre. Right. You know, that's what really made the movie was you have all these men stuck in the trenches and the classical hero comes along and leads them to victory or um, encourages them to get up and fight or whatever. And 
before that happens, because that does happen, uh, before that happens, um, she she points out these um, these people who are suffering, and um, leads those men in the trenches to have compassion on on those who are suffering, right. this mother right. and child. Um, and then, of course, you know, she kind of breaks through the um, hundred day stand standstill and you know leads them to victory. Right. I think but that I think that yeah, that was what really stood out about the movie and what changed and and made it a remarkable movie um, when you're watching the same thing that you've seen a million times in uh, and in another form you know in with these masculine heroes so uh, yeah no i i i think that is that was expressed in the film but was it overshadowed by right. this other trend cuz you had both right you had both this 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 other kind of strength that draws uh, attention to important things to the suffering you know compassion um it leads men calls the men on to something and inspires them to something greater than they could have done, you know, themselves. Um, but also, you have her just kind of kicking ass where no one else can. Right, right. And and there's there's a reason why, when Amazonian feminism became popular, Wonder Woman they actually looked at Wonder Woman as the model. And this was built on this whole, you you know, Anne Rand's philosophy objectivism at all. I don't I know very little about it, but it's all about. No, kind of I have to admit I don't. But it, it's all built on this kind of self-interest, selfish self-interest, kind of rational ego, egoism is what it's called, um, where, uh, you know, you just assert, it's it's really the logic of power. And so I think the, the point of literature is to, I think, take certain truths and kind of push them, you know, put them in a story, in a context, humanize them, and then really challenge us to... to See how radical they are uh, in a way. I think I think literature serves that purpose, at least in my own life. Uh, it challenges us. It, it it should push us beyond kind of the level of ideas and kind of nice kind of categories. Um, and so, as a story, it, it does that with these things. But this is really mixed. There's there is a really like a, a false feminism is really in the air. And for a couple of our friends who are kind of deeply steeped in the in the Catholic vision and John Paul II's vision of, of what a woman is and an authentic femininity, uh, you kind of see that, you know? You see that everywhere. Um, but I think most people see it, and they say, yeah, it's about time that women started kicking ass because they've had to be on the back burner and be mothers and uh, homemakers for the last, you know, however many, because of men and because of Christianity and because of, you know patriarchal societies that's the normal person who sees it you know so i do think it, it's good and bad you know yeah. it's not just i don't know but certainly now taking okay we live in a fallen world so in the ideal of literature or um i don't know ideas in a university or you know whatever they are it ideas in good people um this seems really good and i actually think that this movie is really um healthy for society i think it's good um the way that it portrays um the the femininity i would agree with them on that but let's take this to an extreme and this is an yeah, admittedly an extreme example i might get in trouble for this but uh how about the the uh, the drunken power driven domestically violent woman with the puppy dog husband and the beaten children, who uh, this woman is drunk with violent power and rage. Uh, this is like an actual problem for men because of this assumption that men have to be, you know, strong, physically, you know, kind of assert themselves in a in a violent manner. Do we want to just turn this and flip it on its head? And leave women in this kind of role. Um, the world has fallen. There's real sin. Um, do we want Spartan women, um, or is it enough to just say, "Let's 
let's uh, empower women to feel strong and confident within society. I think things like you know equality and pay in in the in the workforce are are important, but then also like respect for when mothers want to want to raise their children at home um, and that creates this kind of funny imbalance in 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 the workforce um, I mean just like social roles how how exactly do we do that um, I think if you if you take this to an extreme and you assert the extreme that some feminism will ex will exert then I think the picture should become more disturbing than we're getting with like, mm -hmm. you know, pretty superheroes. Right. I like it. You're just running right through that minefield right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I would talk to them this way too. I mean, I, yeah. I really respect these. No, women. there, there is, like I say, I, I, like I've told these girls and I've told other people, like there's, there's the feminine genius and then there's the, the feminine neurosis as well, which is really scary when it goes bad. And it's a fallen world, and we're all in need of grace in the same way that men are. But the logic of power is contrary to the Christian life. And that's the great great paradox of Christ crucified and of Mary crucified spiritually with him at the foot of the cross. Because ultimately, the model of and the criteria of femininity is Mary. It's not Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, we have our Amazon women. I was While well, we were praying the the Roman canon, canon uh, first, first Eucharistic prayer tonight. I was thinking, our Amazon women are the are the Roman virgin martyrs. Mm. I mean, you want to see heroic women. Read the tales of how Saint Agnes and Saint Agatha and Saint Lucy. And I was thinking, especially Lucy. I think she was the one that lost the ladies, so to speak. Um, a true Amazon. You yeah. Know? Um, Agatha. It, That's Agatha. Was that Agatha? Okay, yeah, my yeah. bad. But that comes through um, that comes through the powerlessness of suffering and is uh, profoundly tied into the woman's life. Uh, and you think of you know the role of maternity, and which is which is tied directly to the feminine genius, is the the capacity to bear life within themselves. That's totally different than while you're saving the world, um, you take care of people, you know, and you and you look lovingly on people. But in the same sense, all of this, this story, Greek mythology, everything is pointing to the fact that the woman is intimately tied up with the salvation of the world. And for Catholics, we see that and we say, that's ah, Mary, right? Mm -hmm. Is that her fiat, her yes, is the answer to, uh, we, needed, we needed somebody, we needed the Diana, so to speak, to say yes in order to allow God to... Um, to reconcile the world in Christ, and God did it on the condition of the yes of the woman, and that's that's a very substantial and powerful thing to consider. And it and she died, or so to speak, was assumed in. Uh, or we don't know if she died. We know she was. I'm not saying so to speak. She was assumed into heaven from Ephesus, the place that possibly the Amazon women founded, and Diana's great cult was built up. So it's it's an interesting thing to think that Mary kind of kind of brings all of this into clarity and um, and into fulfillment. She consummates uh, all of this. But for women who are watching Wonder Woman and thinking, wow, this is really great, it's true. There's certainly great elements of femininity in it, um, as long as it's in reference to Our Lady, which is really the, the exact opposite of the heroic battle warrior who saves the world. She just kind of sits at the foot of the cross. She doesn't say anything. And but she she's got a lot of the same. Is the co-redemptrix a lot of the same virtues? You know, she hopes against hope, and everybody else had lost hope. You know, here's one who who will say yes. You know, there's still something. There's still a future. Uh, there's still something worth fighting for. And who's going to raise a kid that way? You know, I also think um, it's worth noting. Like, read read Paul's letter to the Ephesians. These are people who have been formed in that environment. And at the end, he gives this great analogy of Jesus and his love for the church, who is the, the bride, is the feminine. Mm. And he's talking to the church. You know, He's talking about Jesus and Jesus' relationship, his love for them. But he's talking to them, how they should act, who they should be. And that's the feminine. It's um, a bold 
witness within their environment. And I think he, I think he knows who he's talking to. I think he knows he's talking to a culture that is um, informed by a, a pride and a, and a joy and an awareness of the dignity of women and um, is inspiring them to mm-hmm. be the church mm-hmm. and to be the feminine church mm-hmm. um, for the salvation of the world and for the, the kind of the hope of the future. Hmm. Yeah, that that's it. It's it's right there in Ephesians, and it's it's yeah, it's the the church that brings all these things to fulfillment. And I'll just conclude with a final line from John. Well, I think if if we're gonna have to fight, you talk about polemics. Uh, that's like fighting, you know. Yeah. If we're gonna have to fight, I want a sword fight with Molly or Sunni. Yes. Do you have a preference? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say I could take them on. No I could way. take them both on, but I know I couldn't. No way. I, I don't think you could take either of them on. This is what John Paul II said in his letter to women in 1995, where he talks about the feminine genius. He says, perhaps more than men, women acknowledge the person because they see persons with their hearts. Perhaps more than men, women acknowledge the person because they see persons with their hearts. I think, going full circle here, what those girls saw in Wonder Woman was as she's saving the world, she acknowledged the person. She mm. saw the dignity of the person. She acknowledged the person in themselves because women see persons differently. Our moms see us differently, right? My sister sees things differently. Molly and Cindy see they see persons differently because they see things with the heart. And I think John Paul had an amazing sense of that, that there's a, there's a different way that they see humanity and they're able to enter in to receive it and to love uh, and to bring it to uh, its restoration and fullness in a way. So Wonder Woman, she did that in her own way, in her limited way. Don't go crazy with the feminist um, stuff, but also recognize that, you know, um, there's a lot of good here. And, uh, you know, pop culture, they created a pretty good movie. I like it. Uh, (laughs) To the audience, uh, I'm sure there's... This is kind of one of those topics that you're going to get feedback for. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I actually, I I really enjoy that about our show, is that we have a lot of interaction with uh, the people who listen to it. And um, so I just ask a little mercy. (laughs) Um, And um, yeah, let us stir up dialogue. Talk about, in your families, with your friends, talk about what is... um, the best of men and what's the best of women. Uh, we use the word authentic uh, to talk about something deeper than the sort of gender roles that are stereotyped in society. Um, uh, but that's those are Im- very important questions. And we love John Paul II for asking these questions mm-hmm. and kind of yeah. a- asking the church to talk about these things, you know. So it's fun to get into this dialogue with you. I look forward to talking to Molly and Cindy yeah, and following we're fighting up. them with swords. So. Um, I don't think we have to fight about it. I think they'll probably... I thought you wanted to fight them with swords. Well, I do, actually. But well, I, I, would I mean, say just like what, what we've talked about, I think right. is fair. Well, and we would say... We'll see. I mean, I don't know what Including here and then going to shout-outs. Um, we thank Molly and Cindy. We thank you not just for this email and for... Recommending a really good movie and uh, a really interesting topic, but for your friendship and for the women in our life who do bring, who acknowledge us as persons in a very particular way, like John Paul's saying, and and love us, and so thanks for we love we love the friendships we have with women because of oh, all yeah. these things that we're speaking about. Absolutely, and the yeah. life of the priest is I think indispensable without it. And so, anyways, we love you and uh, we're grateful for that. So shout out to them, and then moving on to. Other the rest outs? of your shout-outs. So. Okay. Uh, I want already to... already did all of these, I know. Sorry. Okay, so I uh, want to shout-out Ruthie and John Cox. I uh, did their wedding this summer, and uh, a great couple, just wonderful people who I really en- enjoyed spending time with this summer. At the same wedding, Tom and Judy Picconi, who I grew up with at St. Thomas More. 
mentioned that they uh, listen to the podcast, so I wanted to shout them out. And then nice. I don't know if I've ever shouted out Isaac. Isaac, <laughs> my sister Rose's fiance. The dude proposed to my sister. I know. He makes her so nice. happy. You know, he's uh, he's a stand-up guy. I love the guy, and uh, wanted to shout him out. Excellent. All right, you need to say happy birthday to belated birthday to Tressa Masick. This is Sunit's friend who, on October sixth, turned. Oh, what are all women are like? We just did the shout out on the last, last but you're probably episode. not even twenty nine. She's probably twenty six. Well, happy Tressa. birthday, Tressa. Happy birthday. Any friend of Sunit is a friend of mine. There you go. So happy birthday, Tressa. Sorry your uh, your birthday shout out is late. I know that's what you you wanted, and uh, but Father Mike and I just got back to Rome, so we're doing this. Shout out to Spencer and Lauren Shell, uh, friends of mine from good uh, Omaha, middle of America, as uh, Jan and then Jan Carlson in Spearfish, South Dakota, from Father Mark Horn. She actually got him listening to the podcast. Uh, there so you go. Thanks for that. And then. <laughs> It's funny, we've done all these already. Matt and Maria. You, I know, and then you I said, just went off on Maria's name. I thought I thought he was pronouncing it wrong. Right. Maria, you're great. Pulot? Pulo. I don't think that's your name. Pulo. I think your name is Maria. Pulo or Maria, Maria. No, it's, I think it's Maria. I'm going with that. Anyways, these are, these are we call them Nixverts, Father Dave Nix converts uh, from Fort Collins, and we had a wonderful dinner last week. So thank you, you for buying. Be holy. Thank you for Dave finds all the holiest people. He does, but these guys Father are Dave. these guys are amazing. So, anyways, um, I think that's it. That's it. Uh, we'll be back next week, possibly with Father Mike's. Oh, one last reminder from another Amazon woman, Andrea Polito. Uh, hey guys, this is a reminder. The next few weeks, you need to announce on the podcast that all letters and gifts need to go from Father Nathan's address at Saint Joan of Arc to the Companion's House at 1050 Pennsylvania Street. So if you're going to send anything, random stuff, oatmeal, Sour Patch Kids, bourbon, whatever you want to send us, we'd love receiving it, but send it to the 1050 Pennsylvania Street House and the address with the correct zip code is at the website, catholicstuffpodcast.com. Check out the website for the address. So thanks again for everything. Those of you who send us stuff, we love hearing from you. And we look forward to hearing some interesting stuff on this one, don't we, Mikey? The Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Well, go out and see the film. Yeah. So recommended. So, anyways, that's it. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, and we'll see you next week. Ciao, folks. Welcome back.